Good morning, church. It's great to be with you. Looking forward to June the 14th, when we can be back together in person in worship at Mount Horeb. Today we're finishing up a sermon series about the 40 days that Jesus spent with his disciples following his resurrection and just before his ascension. We looked how Jesus appeared to over 500 witnesses during these 40 days, how he came to Mary Magdalene in the garden on the day of resurrection, how he appeared to the travelers on the Emmaus Road that evening of the first Sunday, how he came to Thomas in the midst of his doubts and restored his belief, how Peter was brought back into the fold as a disciple following his denial of Jesus. And Jesus restored Peter and told him to go and feed his sheep. Last week, Daniel did a great job teaching us about the many other things that Jesus did, so many that they could not be recorded in the Bible. And today, this Sunday, is Ascension Sunday, where the church has celebrated the end of Jesus' earthly mission and his ascension into heaven, and also in his ascension, giving the disciples and giving us, the church, the authority to go and change the world, to fulfill his great commission. We look at this account in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Now, that's hard for me to understand that some of them doubted. They had spent three years with Jesus. They had spent 40 days with him following his resurrection. And prior to this moment of ascension, but some of them doubted. I am sure that there may be some of you this morning who have some doubts. Doubts about who Jesus is. Doubts about the resurrection. Doubts that he is with us in this pandemic. But I want you to know that Jesus is not concerned about your doubts. He loves you and wants you to trust him and to have faith and to follow him just as these disciples did. Even in their doubt, they still followed Jesus. And then Jesus used them to change the world. This text goes on to say that Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let me pray with you as we begin this message today. Gracious God, I thank you that you're with us. That Jesus Christ, your son, came to the earth. That he walked, he talked. He was crucified on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins. On the third day, he resurrected. And on the 40th day, he ascended into heaven to be at your right hand. 
And today, Father God, I thank you that Jesus Christ is interceding on, on our behalf, on my behalf. And I pray that as we speak today, that people will be drawn into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. In the Gospel of Mark, we find this short description of the ascension. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and set down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And then in Acts 1.8, as Luke begins his book, he records these words of Jesus. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In 1974, my best friend Dave Cheeks and I felt the Lord calling us to leave Kentucky and come to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, to spread the gospel to the whole world. We got a job at Lakewood Campground. I was working in registration of campers in the main office, and Dave was pumping gas at the fuel pump for campers as they were leaving to go back home. Well, Dave and I had come to South Carolina, had taken this job with the hope that we might be able to do ministry there at the campground, which was owned by Christian people, the Perry family. But we had these two jobs. And one day, Phil Perry, the owner, the manager of the campground, called us into his office. And he said, Jeff and Dave, we have a rock band scheduled to sing tonight down at the pavilion, and they're a KISS band imitators. So they imitate the rock band KISS, and, and they've called to say they can't come. So would you guys be willing to take your guitars and go down to the pavilion tonight and sing a few songs for the people? Well, we were pretty excited about the opportunity, but a little bit nervous about trying to replace an imitation KISS rock band. So Dave and I prayed about it. We said yes, and we went down that night. And let me tell you, there were about 350 people gathered there at the pavilion, and Dave and I walked out with two guitars, no makeup, and we got a few booze. In fact, a lot of people left, but some stayed, and we shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, we believe that that same Jesus that was resurrected who after 40 days ascended is still with us. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the, of the age. Down there at the front of Lakewood Campground, Jesus was with us as we sang Christian songs for the first time. I believe and we believe in the ascension of Jesus. Every time we share in the Apostles' Creed, the historic profession of our faith, we affirm our belief in the ascension. If you know this, say it with me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, and he ascended into heaven and sit at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. 
From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now Peter, who was an eyewitness to the ascension of Jesus, wrote this in his letter. Now Christ has gone into heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God and all the angels and authorities and powers except his authority. This morning, I want you to know that ascension is not about absence, but about ascendancy. Jesus Christ has ascended, but he's not absent. Ascendancy, let me give you the definition. Ascendancy is occupation of dominant power and influence. It means cosmic presence everywhere. When Jesus walked on the earth, he was limited by time and space. He couldn't be in Jerusalem and Judea at the same time. He was limited by time and space. But when he ascended and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he is now everywhere. And we invite him into our lives and we have a personal relationship. He's always with us. Even right now, as I'm speaking to you and you're in your homes, Jesus Christ is with me and Jesus Christ is with you. It is the power of ascension. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. And that Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning at the right hand of God the Father. He is not absent. He, he is not the Lord I'm going to be. He is not the Lord someday. He is the Lord right now. And that's what ascension is all about. And from ascension comes his authority. I love what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter one. Mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. So from ascension comes this concept of ascendancy that Christ is everywhere and that Christ in ascending was given full authority by God. Now, if we read scripture, we can see that the evidence and the declaration of the authority of Jesus Christ. In John chapter one, it says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And then the word became flesh. That Jesus Christ was in the beginning at creation, the authority to create. Also, Jesus Christ has the authority to sustain. This world, as crazy as it is, does it come apart because Jesus is sustaining this world. Colossians 1.17, He existed before anything else and He holds all creation together. Jesus Christ has authority over the natural order, the sky, the stars, the storms. Jesus Christ has authority over evil. There, there is... Evil in our world, make no mistake. But as Christian believers, 
we have authority over evil. I can say and proclaim with boldness, get thee behind me, Satan. Satan, you have no power. You have no authority because you have been defeated by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has authority over history. We read in the book of Daniel that God sets up kings and God removes kings. Authority over sickness and disease. That Jesus Christ did miracles. And I believe that Jesus Christ still does miracles. There are still people healed today from sicknesses and diseases. Now, I sometimes wonder why Jesus doesn't heal every sickness and every disease. But I know that all of us, if we live long enough, are going to get something that's going to cause us to pass away so that we can enter into heaven. But Jesus has authority over sickness and disease. Jesus has authority over the mission of the church. That's why one of our core values is Jesus first, Jesus always, because he is in control. This is his church. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's the church of Jesus Christ. He has authority. Then ultimately, as we've been celebrating throughout this season of, of ascension, these 40 days, Jesus has authority over death through the power of the resurrection. I've been sharing this verse a lot during this coronavirus. It's brought comfort to me. It's Jesus' words is recorded in John 16, 33. Jesus speaking, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. As followers of Jesus, we put our faith in the one who has overcome the world, who has overcome death, who has full authority. This morning, church, I remind you that Jesus still has the whole world in his hands. He still has the final say. COVID-19 does not have the final say. Now, out of this authority, out of this ascension, comes an assignment. The disciples are commissioned in Matthew to go and tell the nations about Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts, they would receive power to be witnesses of Jesus to the ends of the earth. Ascension brings an assignment to go and fulfill the great commission. Dave and I left our small town, Flatwoods, Kentucky. I'm going to call that Jerusalem to go to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I'm going to call that Judea to be a witness to tourists from all over the U.S. I'll call that Samaria. And to this day, Dave and I both are still fulfilling the Great Commission. We are still proclaiming the good news of Jesus locally and now globally. This church is going all over the world to proclaim that Jesus Christ is the King, that He is a source of salvation and hope. Without His ascension, there would be no authority and there would be no assignment. And out of His authority and out of this assignment is the promise that He's going to make another appearance. There were two promises that Jesus made to His disciples. One, He said, I'm going to be leaving you so I can go and prepare a place for you in John 14. But one day I will come back again. Again, in the Apostles' Creed, we declare that, that he is coming to judge the quick and the dead. Luke goes on to say in, in 
chapter 1, verse 9, these were his last words. As they watched, he was taken up and disappeared in a cloud. And they stood there staring at the empty sky. And suddenly two men appeared in white robes. They said, you Galileans, why do you just stand here looking up at an empty sky? This very Jesus who was taken from you among you to heaven will come as certainly and mysteriously as he left. There will be another appearance of Jesus. He will come again in the eastern sky for his church. So we have authority, we have assignment, we have appearance, we have ascension. And, and my friends, this is very important. That you and I, during this season that we're on the earth, are being held accountable. Accountable to worship Jesus as Lord. Accountable to surrender to His Lordship. Accountable to live under His Lordship. And, and, and accountable to proclaim and bear witness to His Lordship. That we are to take the name of Jesus, the message of Jesus, the example of Jesus, to the entire world. And, and, and I believe today more than ever, we need a burden about that. There needs to be a greater sense of urgency to be accountable to being a witness for Jesus Christ. Now, urgency is not panic. It is not anxiety. It is not acting before we think, but it's aware of the importance of being ins insistent to, to take steady, and swift action. Why is that? Why do we need to have an urgency about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, of fulfilling His great commission? Let me tell you why. There is a limited amount of time to fulfill the great commission. People on the planet have a limited amount of time. We are here for a limited amount of time. And Jesus Christ is going to come back after a limited amount of time. And then also, I believe that right now, in this pandemic, in this time of uncertainty, the world is more open to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, than ever before. Peter writes these words in, in his second letter. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Lynn and I got to go to Conway for a few days, and Lynn spent some time with her mom for Mother's Day. While we were there, they were visiting, Lynn's mom and I got into a conversation about life and what was going on in the world. And she said to me, I want to read you a story from my Bible. I've saved this story for a long time. It's a story about an ancient king who had a boulder, a large rock, placed in the middle of the road. And then this king hid himself and watched to see if anyone would take the time to remove the huge rock. Some of the king's court and wealthy merchants simply walked around it. Others blamed the king for not keeping the road clear. But nobody did anything to remove the boulder from the roadway. Then a peasant came along carrying a load of vegetables. As he approached the boulder, he, he laid down his burden 
He spent hours pushing and straining to remove the boulder. And finally, he got it to the side of the road and he picked up his load of vegetables and then he noticed a purse laying in the road where the boulder had been. And inside the purse were gold coins and a, and a note from the king that said, whoever takes the time to remove this boulder will be rewarded greatly. That peasant learned a valuable lesson that a lot of us never learn. Just this past week, uh, there was a family in Virginia out for a drive, getting out from being quarantined. And as they were driving down the road, they ran across what they thought was a trash bag. And they turned around, being good citizens, to pick up the two trash bags out of the road. And as they picked them up, they realized the bags were full of money. Over a million dollars were in those two bags. They did the right thing. They stopped and picked up the bags. Then they did an even more right thing. They turned the money into the authorities. And I sure hope they got a nice reward. Church, I'm here to tell you that one of the greatest rewards we will receive is when we hear these words from Jesus because we've been faithful in fulfilling his great commission, faithful in taking the message of Jesus to the world. These words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your reward. I believe that God is going to reward those who serve him faithfully. The Bible says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. I'm looking forward to hearing those words from Jesus. But I believe there are boulders and there are barriers in our lives to fulfilling the Great Commission. Let me give three of them to you very quickly this morning. The first is location. A lot of times we think we can't go to share the gospel. You need to start where you are. Start in your home, start in your neighborhood, but don't stop where you are because the Great Commission needs to go beyond the local church, beyond our local community. It's got to go all over the globe. And I'm proud to be a part of a church that believes that locally and globally. Don't be limited by location. Also, don't be limited by vocation. Some of you are probably thinking, and I've heard this many times in my 40 plus years of ministry. Well, the Great Commission, being a witness for Jesus is for professional ministers. You're trained to do that. You go to seminary. My friends, Jesus doesn't call professional ministers only to take the gospel. He is looking for ministering professionals. I believe that all of us are called to be ministering professionals, that we are to be servants and messengers of the gospel. Don't let that be a boulder. And then don't let your qualifications be a boulder. Jesus qualifies the called. Jesus called ordinary people who knew him personally. Today, he still calls ordinary people who know him personally. These disciples had no bag of tricks. They couldn't pull a miracle out of a bag. They had no uniforms. They had not gone to Bible school, but they were followers of Jesus and they knew him personally. And Jesus bestowed upon them the gift of the Holy Spirit to give them power to be witnesses. He wants to give you the same power, me the same power. Well, as Lois and I continue to talk about her story, she shared with me that at the age of 84, she was going to retire and not run for re-election 
as a county auditor that she had served for close to 30 years in Horry County. And she said to me, I don't know what I'm going to do when I retire. And I said to her, I said, Lois, I know exactly what God wants you to do. He wants you to go and reach those who are perishing. And Lois said to me, she said, you know, I'd love to do a Bible study in my home. I'd love to have five or six women to come to my home and I could do a Bible study with them. I said, Lois, what we're learning right now through all of this pandemic is that we can have a much broader reach through social media. I'd love to get you set up on a laptop, get you out on the internet, and you could begin to have a Bible study with hundreds of women because of your experience and because of your influence. And Lois said to me these words, well, I can't do that. I can't operate a computer and I don't know how to do all that stuff. I said, Lois, I've known you for over 40 years. You've done some remarkable things in your life. And the word can't has never been part of your vocabulary. Don't let the internet, don't let a laptop become a boulder. And she looked at me and she smiled and says, you got me. <laughs> you used my story against me. <clears throat> and I said, Lois, don't let your can'ts become I won'ts. And church, don't let your can'ts become I won'ts. I'm going to say the same thing to you. I said to Lois, if you're a believer in Jesus and you're not actively fulfilling the great commission, you're not obeying God's calling for your life. Nobody gets a pass. If you are in a personal relationship with Jesus, you're being called to go and share the good news of his love and his grace with a world that is dying to hear it. When Dave and I finished that little concert following the cancellation of the rock band that imitated Kiss, we began to pray that the Kiss band would not come back. Phil Perry, our boss, said, thanks, guys, but the band will be back next week. And we said to Phil in his office, Phil, we're praying <clears throat> that the Kiss band won't show back up this summer. And guess what? The Kiss band never came back to Lakewood Campground. And Dave and I began to sing every Wednesday night and share our testimonies of the love of God. And many people came to know Jesus Christ that summer at Lakewood Campground. Dave and I went on to form a singing group called Faith Incorporated that traveled for four years while we were in college. We went on to seminary. We went on to be pastors. And today we're still fulfilling the Great Commission because we didn't let a little rock band called Kiss, an imitation rock band, be a boulder. God removed that boulder and it changed our lives. One of my favorite songs is Graves and Gardens, a song by the Elevation Praise Band out of Charlotte. We've been singing it through this Easter season. And the words talk about how God has the power to turn ashes into beauty, shame into glory, bones into armies. I believe that's what the Great Commission is all about. That when Jesus ascended into heaven, his authority to bring beauty out of ashes, glory out of shame, and bones into armies. Armies to go and fulfill the Great Commission. That is my prayer for the people of Mount Horeb. Let me pray with you. Our gracious God, I thank you that you are with us, that you've not forsaken us, you've not forgotten us. And on this 
Ascension Sunday, we celebrate that Jesus came into this world to make a way for us, that, you, that we can have a personal relationship with you through Jesus Christ. That on the cross, he paid the penalty, his blood was shed so that our sins would be forgiven. That on the third day, he resurrected to give us new life, to give us eternal life. I thank you that he spent 40 days teaching and revealing himself to followers. And then he ascended into heaven and is seated right now, Father God, at your right hand, interceding for me, interceding for all of us. And Father God, I lift up anyone right now who doesn't know Jesus Christ personally. That if right now we will open our heart, open our, our mind to you, invite Jesus Christ into our lives, confess our sins, ask him to forgive us. He will forgive us. He will come into our lives and will make us into a new person. And with his authority to do that comes an assignment for all of us. That we have the assignment of going and sharing his love, sharing his grace, sharing his message of salvation, to make disciples all over the world. Thank you that Mount Horeb is a church that believes in the Great Commission, that believes that we are to share the gospel locally and globally. And thank you, Father God, for calling Dave and I all those years ago to step out in faith, that you removed a boulder and that you changed our lives forever. Thank you for that. And Father God, thank you for changing lives right now. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let me thank you for being a part of our worship, a part of this service. Again, I look forward to seeing you in person on June the 14th. Let's worship now as we sing about the great things that God has done and even greater things he has called us to go and do. God bless you. <laughs> 